Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Living Electric. For today's episode, we are on episode nine. Uh, Just a quick correction. Last episode for our Earth Day, we said we were on episode seven. That was episode eight. We can we can count. <laughs> we can we can count. Um, next one we can count to ten. So, uh, but yes, we are on episode nine, and we are talking about the struggles of EV ownership and some hurdles and issues that will need to be addressed before EV adoption can take place. Yeah, I think our first eight episodes, uh, we <laughs> we talked a lot about some <laughs> of the like great things and great features um, and lifestyle that comes with driving electric vehicle, but um, we're kind of getting real on this episode. It's not all sunshines and rainbows for everybody. There are some some downfalls to EVs, and certainly there are some situations where an EV just isn't going to be right for you. Um, so we're going to kind of dive into some of those today um, and just kind of give you guys some things to think about too. Um, when you're considering looking at an EV, there's a lot this is a very new space for a lot of people. So understanding what uh, to expect is definitely very important. Research, research, research. <laughs> that's what we always say. That's, right. that's that's why we started our podcast and our YouTube channels. We're all about um, EV education and just helping people understand what it's like to own an electric vehicle. Um, so if you are interested in, in vehicles and cars, there's been a lot of articles that have been going around stating that one in five Californian drivers went back to gasoline power vehicles after owning electric cars. And um, we wanted to discuss this study more and some other electric vehicle articles that are coming out and how they're relating to plug-in hybrids. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually found um, this study and it was conducted over a decent amount of time. I believe it was 2012 to 2018 where they kind of interviewed people and asked some questions about their EV ownership. So they interviewed EV drivers and then kind of studied them to see if they stuck with their EV or turned their EV back in. So obviously 2012 through 2018 or 2019 is a wide range of years, especially for EVs. We're just chatting, kind of brainstorming for this. I mean, if you look back at 2012, how much different was this this EV yeah. space? Like, you had the Nissan Leaf. That was the first year it came out, right? Nissan yeah, Leaf was 2012. So. And yeah. it had, like, 50 or 60-mile range. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't really... It definitely worked for some people, but it's not, like, a compelling EV that somebody's going to want to go out and buy, I don't think. Um, and then, of course, we had the Model S uh, hitting the market around that time. But that's an incredibly expensive car at the time. I don't think you could even get one for under a hundred thousand dollars. So very different EV space in 2012 than we have now in the past few years where there are some, some really good EVs under $40,000. The model three is on the market now. Um, and that's, I think that's a lot of those vehicles have really pushed EVs over the top. And, and certainly the charging scape has changed immensely as well. Yeah, that's immensely. been a huge change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially with like charging networks like Electrify America, you know, all these charge point EVgo, yeah. the supercharger network has like literally tripled in its, it's size. It's insane. I know 
even I'm just thinking like driving around now, I notice so many more chargers. Like I don't, I can't go many places now without noticing at least one charger. And yeah. that might be because I have an EV now that I'm looking for them. <laughs> but I mean, even when I, back when I was interested, knew that was the car I wanted. I don't think I like ever saw one. Like there, there were very few and far between. Yeah, I, I just remember sitting on, on PlugShare back in like 2015 before I worked for Tesla, like yeah. looking for chargers and like taking my gas powered vehicle to go check them out. Like such a nerd, <laughs> <laughs> such an EV nerd. But but, you know, the, the really interesting thing about this study is that I with like the articles and like um, a lot of like the um, auto journalist, like um, I'm going to restart that. Sorry. Um, the, the, the one thing that like I really wanted to point out when it came to these articles is just how they're titling the articles. It, it It's coming across in a very, I, I think, a very anti-EV manner where they're just simply stating one in five EV drivers are going back to gas. Like I've seen so many uh, titles of articles like that, but they're they're failing to say that this was done in that time frame and um, only 70 or... Uh, 70% of the people that they interviewed did not have home charging, and they also did not have workplace charging. And if they're in California, most of them probably live in big urban areas where you have street parking, and you might not have a place to park at work. You know, you would have to take the bus or public transport. Yeah, and un unfortunately, in this day and age, a lot of articles just get shared and people are reacting to the headline versus mm -hmm. reading the whole article and realizing <laughs> the nuance between or um, uh, around these these kind of studies. And there certainly is more to the story than just 20% of people are turning in their EVs. Like, I don't think that's that's really the full story. I mean, you could probably write that about any car, like 20% of people are turning in their Camrys, like. <laughs> <laughs> Simply because it's a Camry. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry so, if anybody's a Camry driver. <laughs> yeah. And I think EVs get a bad rap. They're kind of like an easy target for a lot of auto journalists who are like not, not with the technology or just don't want to convert to EVs. Um, Certainly, there's many on on the good side too that are open to this kind of whole new frontier of car ownership. But yeah, that's a big thing that the study itself showed is that why people are turning in their EVs, which I think was the kind of initial um, initial driver for this study, was to figure out like, hey, there's some people that are getting EVs, but then they don't like them. What's the deal with that? So I think some of the top factors were their Charging availability, I think, was number one. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, charging is a big one. I mean, that's it's that really is a big part of the EV experience is charging. Um, I know we look at gas and we kind of say like, oh, that's not something you even have to worry about with a gas car. You can just buy a car and you know you're gonna have a place to fill it up. Whereas with an EV, you kind of have to know what your plan is gonna be. So. I always tell people it's it's good to kind of find your charging routine because it really is a routine. It's like plugging in your phone. Um, like you wouldn't buy an iPhone if you didn't have a outlet at home. You could yeah. <laughs> plug it into every night, right? Yep. <laughs> so um, I think that's, that's uber important for people is to understand what their charging setup is going to be like. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I bought my car, um, I still am i'm living in an apartment and didn't have home charging so i had to know that i was going to have charging somewhere else fortunately our office had a bank of like 24 some chargers i could use while i was <laughs> at the office so 
I could just plug in there. And that was my charging routine. I would drive to work, I would plug in my car, and I would leave work with 90% every evening. So that worked out great for me. Um, and Brandon, your situation's probably more normal for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that that's the biggest hurdle with EV adoption is addressing um, like home charging especially at like rental properties and um, like urban areas, like, you know, like larger cities. For sure. I genuinely like for me, I think I take for granted that like I can simply come home and plug my vehicle in. <laughs> like I'm yeah. actually better at plugging my car in than I am my phone. Um, <laughs> I think my phone's actually almost dead right now, <laughs> but my car's charged. Um, Perfect. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the thing. Like it, it has really made um, like for, for us charging our vehicle much easier. Yeah. Um, but there was actually a time when I lived at my parents, I was charging using a, um, an extension cord, which is not recommended. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, oh, okay. I, I would charge my car using a 25 foot cable and then I would plug in the uh, charger that came with the car and then I'd wrap it in a garbage bag. So like water couldn't get in it. And oh, man. that's how I charge my car. <laughs> Dedicated. Sounds very dangerous too. <laughs> I did not want to put gas in it. So yes, yeah, very dangerous. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, but that's the thing. Like if you're living in a, you know, like a high rise apartment, you can't drop an extension cord. Exactly. So, yeah. So question for you, I've kind of seen this debated sometimes. Do you think it would be better to have just a bunch of fast charging stations around these complexes, like kind of on street corners like gas is now? Or do you think they should just put in like a bank of 30 level two chargers in their complexes or their parking lots or whatever? I I would say the level twos, honestly. Yeah, yeah I, I think that that's the best approach because as we mentioned, like 90% of your charging habit is overnight or when mm -hmm. your vehicle's sitting there. Yeah. Um, I, I think like the fast chargers honestly should be reserved for more travel routes. Mm -hmm. um, but the like the level twos should absolutely be used for overnight charging for yeah. rental properties. Yeah. I think I think I think that's definitely the dream is just to have like even at my complex, especially when EV ownership is small, is just having like a bank of five chargers just like ready to go so people mm -hmm. can plug in. Um, the issue, I think, becomes when charging is something that a lot of people need to do a lot. Like, I think you'd have to figure that out where you say, OK, we've got 30 EVs at this complex. We've only got five chargers. You you people can charge Tuesday nights. You people can charge Wednesday nights. Like, I yeah. feel like that would be, be a little iffy. Um, obviously, the best thing to do would just have, like, a bunch of chargers so that you could accommodate everyone. But I don't, yeah. I don't think yeah. that's feasible. Um, and unfortunately, that puts the... Um, that puts the charging responsibility on whoever the property owner is versus a gas station, which is like an outside company. So I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of ways to go about it. I think it's also a huge business opportunity for people to say like, Hey, we can install this charger at your complex. Just rent us this little like 20 foot square, uh, <laughs> square yeah. space. We'll install the charger. We'll maintenance it. We'll do it all. Um, you just pay us like a flat fee every month to keep this charger here. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting when we kind of hit that that tipping point of EV adoption where like everybody's buying one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing I was thinking too. There's actually somebody in um, the Shaker Heights, Ohio area. He runs a company called Sway Mobility, 
and he does uh, ride sharing with electric vehicles and he works with um i think it's ev box to get like uh charging stations installed for the the ride share vehicle but i believe the public can use it and they're they're focusing on apartment complexes so the the ride share car will sit there but when it's not there people can utilize the uh the charger yeah so it i wonder if that would work like in um big cities definitely definitely yeah yeah so I guess more to my story, I think I've talked about it before, but now that I am working from home 100%, I don't have access to that workplace charging. At least it's not it's not reliable for me to uh, drive 20 minutes to work and plug in and sit there for four plus hours in my car for my car to charge. and Just watch uh, Netflix. <laughs> work off my laptop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... So what I'm doing right now is I've got a supercharger about 10 minutes away from me. So I, I am able to still charge and charge somewhat uh, somewhat reasonably, but it's kind of as convenient as gas was where I'd have to take an extra trip. So luckily it's right next to the grocery store. So I typically just drive over there when we're getting our groceries and I can just plug in and it's all, it's all fine. But I think that's definitely the number one consideration when you're considering an EV is to look at your charging situation. So if you're in a house, I think it's pretty easy. You can just get a charger installed at your house. But if you are in an apartment or don't have as reliable electricity at your living place, um, either you can't get charging installed or you're at a condo or apartment where the landlord doesn't want to install a charger, I think having access to a fast charger close to you is probably your best bet. Also, I don't think many people realize how big a business opportunity is to have a charger at your place of business or your apartment complex or wherever your business is. Um, Because as soon as you get an EV owner that's looking for a place to live or a place to eat, their short list is probably going to have places with charging on them if they need to charge, right? So for me, I know if I had an EV and didn't have work charging, I can almost guarantee you I'd be at a complex with EV charging. And there's only there's only probably half a dozen in Columbus, but that's probably where we would be. So I think a lot of apartment complexes need to realize that's a huge opportunity for them to attract new new tenants. Um, so, yeah, I sent an email to my um, initially to my landlord who like runs our complex and they were like, oh, well, it's not really in the plans right now. So I self escalated that up to the community it's like a huge real estate organization that runs our like apartment complexes they have like six or seven throughout columbus so i escalated up to them and sent them like a a more detailed email and where i live there are tons of uh there's a huge rebate for installing a charger too there's like an eight thousand dollar rebate for installing a charger crazy which which is like a crazy amount of money yeah um just for them to install a charger and get it up and running so I don't know what char- what the costs are to install a charger, but I think at that cost, you would probably be kind of close to breaking even just installing it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I know you can get like good like dual chargers where you can like t- charge two cars at once. I yeah. think for under like $2,000. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think the bigger hip- hiccup for them, I think, is it's a brand new complex and installing anything additional than is kind of a problem sometimes with the city and with local ordinances of like how they want things to look. So I think that's their biggest hiccup right now. But they said they received my email well. They said, hey, we'll look into it. We're going to vet this and see see if it's a good option for us and we'll get back in contact with you. So 
it's kind of where we're at right now. I'll I'll yeah. update on the next podcast yeah. if I hear anything. <laughs> yeah, keep us posted. <laughs> keep us posted. But you know, to kind of like um, to tail off of that, um, it, it really always starts with a conversation. You know, the, the consideration that that's what leads to action. And yeah. um, I, I know when I was talking with the city council of Twinsburg back in 2015, I just presented them a map of chargers and be like, hey, like you could have all this business and, you know, like all this like activity. And then nothing happened for four years. And then suddenly there was eight <laughs> chargers like, but, wow. but that's the thing. Okay. Like you, you plant that seed and you never know. Um, yeah. So, you know, like if anybody who is listening to our podcast is interested in, um, you know, like uh, starting that conversation with like a rental property or like a workplace, just send an email, you know, provide yeah. some resources if there's rebates or grants and just get that conversation started. You have no idea where it could take you. Yeah. And we'll, we'll try to link it in the show notes here, but the, the template I used was actually on ChargePoint's website. So they have a really good template of basically telling you exactly what to say to your landlord or to whoever who owns your uh, property. And it basically goes through like, here's the benefits of an EV charger. Like I like EV adoption is growing very fast. Um, and then it has some links in there to figure out what your local incentives are. So it, it'll link to that page and they can, they can put in Ohio or wherever you live um, and basically search by whatever their location is to see what kind of kickbacks there are. Cause there's, there's a lot of incentives right now for businesses and commercial chargers going in. So that's something I think businesses should absolutely take advantage of. Oh yeah, absolutely. So there is actually a new uh, property management company here in the Cleveland area called Smartland Apartments. And they're taking old apartment buildings and old uh, buildings and turning them into like luxury condos and like apartments. But what's really That's cool smart. about this is that they're adding charge point chargers at every single one of them. And they're nice. adding between uh, two and four chargers and they're charging about 25 cents an hour for uh, for tenants to charge their vehicle. Only 25 cents an hour. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which is that's really good. It's, yeah, it's not it's not that expensive. And like people can you know, obviously just plug their car in just like they would if they had a, a yeah. garage to do so. Mm -hmm. um, so that the, and plus, I think that's open to the public, too. So it's really helping expand the uh, infrastructure here in Cleveland, um, which is really needed. Cleveland really needs yeah. to expand their infrastructure. Um, but they're they're dedicated both, to it. Both level two and DC fast charging. Just level two just level two yeah yeah so i i would say that it would make more sense for a tenant to use the yeah. the charger than it would like you know a typical person just driving by mm -hmm. but it's uh it's still pretty cool that they're bringing life to like old properties that's neat yeah almost every new construction i see going up around columbus will put in an ev charger because it's so easy to do when you've got everything ripped up yeah. and you're running the electric already <laughs> exactly. like that's that's probably where the biggest cost comes is when you're trying to run electric to the charger yeah um so i know some people are kind of tentative about doing that because you're gonna have to rip up like grass or whatever is already yeah. there to install <laughs> like a line to the to the parking lot yeah um so I actually at my where I got my vaccine, I didn't even realize when I got my first one, um, just parked and got my vaccine and left. When I went back to get my second one, um, 
I noticed that they had a bank of four chargers there because oh. <laughs> it was a it's a brand new like Ohio Health is the name of it, but it's like a brand new hospital and like uh, medical space there, and they have a brand new uh, parking garage there. So they put four chargers in the in the bottom oh, wow. <laughs> bottom uh, level of it. That's awesome. So yeah. If anybody who is listening to our podcast is a landlord or if they own like a rental property or workplace, um, one thing that I would recommend checking out is Adopt-A-Charger. It's a, a program that I believe is based out of California, but they work with multiple different states to install charging stations. Um, there's a organization in Kentucky called um, Evolve KY or Evolve Kentucky, and they've installed, I think, almost 30 charging locations because of this program that they work through. So okay. that could definitely assist people who are interested in installing chargers. Nice. Okay. Adopt a charger. We'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> I had to say that like a movie trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of charging, I think that's obviously the biggest one. That's what we spent most of the time talking about so far. The other big variable for people that got an EV and then ended up switching back to a gas car was their travel time or their commute distance. Um, I don't think this this is as big an issue for a lot of people because I think the average commute is like less than 20 miles or something. Like most people buy a house or like rent an apartment close to where they work yeah. because they don't want to drive for an hour yeah. just to <laughs> sit at their desk so or go to whatever they're working. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's definitely a consideration to have uh, if you've got an extremely long commute. So certainly an EV is probably the dream car if you've got a reasonable commute. Even if it's an hour-long commute, I think you can definitely make it work. Um, and you're going to save so much money on charging, uh, you, too, yeah. <laughs> or on uh, fuel, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because you were saying you saved a ton of money, like commuting yeah right yeah i i well when i would drive to the office it was like 55 plus miles a day and yeah. i was spending over 200 dollars a week um no no that's a lie a month <laughs> a month. Okay. a month sorry <laughs> i gotta get say, some coffee yeah that right that would be a lot um but but that's the thing that like it, it's funny like when i look at my commute i no longer like dread it because I know that like I'm not spending as much money driving there because I was driving an electric vehicle. But like another thing, I don't mean to like go back to charging. Like if your workplace has charging, then your commute is kind of negated because you're charging at work. That's true. Yeah. If they have free charging. I don't know many offices that put in like paid charging though. I feel like they kind of just treat it as a perk for employees. Yeah. Yeah. Take it out of our paycheck. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think travel times or, or commute distance is something to consider. I think if you're somebody that's literally driving for a living, like you're maybe in sales or something and you're driving all over the States, you don't have time to sit at a charger. Um, it might, I would definitely still consider an EV. Um, definitely go for one with longer range and one that can fast charge. Those are definitely things to make sure you have if you've got a lot of driving to do. Um, but also understand that you are going to probably spend some more time charging than you would just filling up and getting on your way. So I think that's not telling you not to be to buy an EV or telling you that it won't work in that situation. But I think it can be can be harder and you have to do a little bit more planning and kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I, I would recommend before going to purchase a vehicle, sit down and map out your route 
and see how far you're driving daily and then calculate which EVs would fit in that range. I think that's that's very smart to do. We were, we were t- chatting before this too. We see a lot of articles as well from journalists or people that are very new to EVs and just want to like cover them or write about them and end up sometimes getting caught with like very low range because they just hop in the car and think it's going to be just like gas and you can just fill up wherever. Whereas at least right now, that's not really the case. You certainly have to do a lot more planning when you're taking longer trips or doing road trips in an EV, which I think we did a whole episode on. So go back and listen to that one. <laughs> I'm like, which number was that? No. <laughs> yeah. Losing track and we're not even at 10 yet. <laughs> I think that was episode four. We did EV road trips. So go back and listen to that one if you yes. if you want to hear more about EV road trips and kind of our, our tips and tricks for that. I know a lot of people when they're looking at buying an EV or um, looking to make that switch to electric, they almost are hesitant to switch their whole household over to all electric. So I think a great way to start, and I see a lot of households do this that are two car families, start with one electric vehicle. You're probably going to use that vehicle for trips around town and stuff like that. And maybe have a second vehicle for when your family takes that long road trip down to Florida or that long road trip to North Carolina and is driving like 12 plus hours. Um, I think I think a lot of families kind of operate that way where they've got their one car for getting around town or for their um, for their heads of households to commute or whatever. And then they've got their car for their long trips or their like when they're taking some some bigger endeavors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that's a good way to like test the waters too to like see if like Certainly. going all electric would would be like a good bet. I know I know for us yeah. like I this is a perfect example. Like I we will be fully electric except for our Miata, your fun car. Yes, our, yeah, our fun <laughs> car, the car that I can barely fit in. Uh, <laughs> I'm too tall for it. Um, but um, we will be getting a we reserved a Volkswagen ID four. Um, so yeah. we will be picking that up this fall and that I think having an electric vehicle proved to us that we can go full electric and it meets everything that we, you know, yeah. need it to. And it's really hard to know till you actually own one too. Like, I think that's what we're seeing right now where we've got the, you were showing me that chart earlier. We've got a lot of the innovators and the early adopters getting into EVs, but we haven't quite hit that majority where like a lot of people are trying them out. So I think a lot of people that are buying EVs now realize that it fits their lifestyle a lot more than they think. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's almost like those things you have to live and experience it. Another good thing to do is uh, Turo is a great thing to check out. If you're just like, before you go and spend a lot of money on a new car or go spend like any kind of amount of money on a new car, you can usually rent a lot of these cars you're probably looking at on Turo just to test it out for a day. Um, I know there's a lot of like model threes and model S's in Columbus. You can rent for like a couple hundred bucks a day. Um, just drive it around for a little bit, see how charging would work. Maybe like what's your, um, if you're able to install charging in garage or driveway or like how it might work for you. Um, I think that's definitely something to, to try as well. And it would always be good to talk to EV owners as well to get their feedback. If you are curious about electric vehicles, um, obviously through listening to our podcast, you're getting that directly from us, <laughs> but it's always good to like go to like um, group meetings and kind of just get involved there because getting that firsthand ownership 
um, feedback is honestly a good way to evaluate if it, if it would work for you. Yeah. And you're, I think we talked about it on our Earth Day episode, but there's a lot of local electric car enthusiast groups. So like we have Drive Electric Columbus here in Columbus. Do you drive electric Cleveland? Uh, drive Electric Northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So yep. just encompasses all that, but <laughs> pretty much you're Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get, I think you're going to get a lot more wide range of views on EVs too, at those kind of groups. Like both of us, I think are pretty like EV fanatics, but you might see like some other people in different situations than, than us two at these groups. And anybody I've met that owns an EV loves talking about it. So yes. <laughs> they'll be very happy to answer any questions yep. about their charging setups or trips they've taken all kinds of stuff. So yeah. I think that's a great thing to, to do as well if you're considering an EV. So another factor you're probably looking at if you're looking at buying a new car, at least hopefully you are, unless you've got a lot of money to spare, um, is how much it's going to cost <laughs> up front, right? So price is probably the number one reason I hear from people of why they don't want to buy an electric car because it's just straight up too expensive right now, which certainly is the case. Um, Plug-in cars right now on average have a higher starting price than than gas vehicles. Um, fortunately, we have seen with similar new vehicles, the cost of ownership over the long term is much lower with an EV. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you just can't afford that upfront cost. So um I would say definitely don't stretch yourself financially. If you're like, can't afford an EV, don't try to like stretch yourself to afford it. That's not a smart financial decision. But no. <laughs> um, I think a thing to keep in mind is that the cost has continued to go down for EVs. We've got a lot more EVs available under $40,000. Um, I mean, kind of like we were talking about with this study is like back in 2012, you had the Leaf, which was still kind of an expensive car. I think it was above $40,000 to get. Think yeah. it was, you think yeah. it was up there? I, I, I would uh, I would think. We can look it up real quick. I, I don't even, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know, actually. Oh, 35.2. Okay. So we were close. So pretty close. So the 2012 Leaf with a how long of a range? Uh, <laughs> I think like 80 <laughs> miles. The range was 73 miles. So the 2012 Leaf had a starting price of around $35,000 and a range of 73 miles. So I don't know many people that would be happy spending that much on a car that can only go 73 yeah. miles. <laughs> so, um, so certainly price has gone down. Now you can buy a Model 3 for around 73 or for around $37,000 and it's got 250 yeah. plus miles of range. Yep. So it's certainly got a lot better range to cost ratio has gone way up. It's like so much cheaper to buy like a good EV now that can go 250 yeah. plus miles. Um, Not to mention used ones. That's what I was going to say too. I think yeah. the other reason the cars are so expensive right now is the used market is almost non-existent. Like we don't have a lot of EVs out yeah. there and most people with an ev are keeping their ev for a very long time so you don't see a lot of uh, cars on the used market i was going to say with the with the used cars too that's usually what i tell people when they say they can't afford an ev or don't want to spend that much money on an ev is the used market is quickly growing as the just overall fleet of evs gets bigger so there are a lot of very there's going to be a lot of good evs on the market in the future on the used market. Um, so that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. I know at least with the model threes, they're holding their used value so well, because most people that buy them end up keeping them 
and there's just not the supply is just so small um so there's not a lot of used evs out there there's you know there are some good examples for bolts like you can get like some pretty low mileage bolts for under 20 like twenty three thousand dollars. yeah um and not to mention like um there are some i've seen some deals around twelve thousand dollars for bolts wow so um if you are looking to get into like a decent decent electric vehicle with like a decent amount of driving range over 230 miles highly recommend a used bolt that is definitely something i would do if we lived in a house right now is for mallory probably get her a new car and get her like a used ev that has like just to get her to work because that's literally all yeah. she does is yeah. just drive to work and back i drive my car basically everywhere else so <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> So I think, again, if you're a two-car family and one person is only using their car to drive back and forth to work, I think buying a used EV can save you a lot of money um, and will meet your needs just fine if you don't need a fancy car to to drive a lot of miles, right? Yep. So buy a Chevy Bolt. (laughs) (laughs) Not sponsored by GM. (laughs) So I know we've been harping on this freaking study the whole time of how it's <laughs> it's fired it's, up on it <laughs> it's putting evs down but uh one thing i did find here that i thought was pretty uh interesting and kind of ends it on a high note i guess is that um one of the factors in people turning in their evs or trading in their evs was that they an ev just wasn't right for them at that time but they could see themselves buying an ev in the future which I think is great. I think there's yeah. certainly people that bought EVs in the past, maybe it just didn't quite meet their needs. Maybe it wasn't the right type of vehicle. It didn't have enough range. Charging wasn't fast enough. Price was too much, whatever else. But I think there's definitely some positive insights from people that have owned these cars realizing that, hey, this didn't quite work, but I definitely could see this technology improving, which I think has definitely been the case. Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of new models coming out. Uh, 2020 was kind of that magic mark. I think it's we're crazy. It's yeah. How I many new cars are coming it. out? I know. Same here. <laughs> Every time I turn around, there's a new electric car being unveiled, which is awesome. I know. I <laughs> yeah. know when I started my channel, I was like 2019 is when I started and I basically talked about every EV that was released that year on my channel. And now like I can't even keep up with all the cars being released. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but that, that's where I would love to see in a few years, have people do this study again Definitely. And, and see where we're at. For sure. So that will do it for this one. I think this is definitely a good one to send to your friends that maybe are considering an electric vehicle. Maybe you're already on the, the EV train and you're set on buying an EV for your next vehicle and just trying to learn from us. But if you've got somebody in your life that's, is looking at an EV and maybe is trying to consider some of these things. I think this is a great podcast to share with them. So we do appreciate it. If you do that, if you do have any questions or things you want us to cover on future episodes, reach out to us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at living electric underscore Instagram at living electric podcast. And on Facebook, our page is living electric podcast. So hope to hear from you and we'll see you in the next episode.